1: Tom Patrick. Yes, sir. Thomas. Yes. No, I'm going to go with Tom. you going with Tom? Never trust anybody with two first names. Tom Patrick. That would be your last name, Patrick. Yeah. No one your no. first name couldn't be Dorian. Dorian Gray. Yeah. You technically could have Hurricane Dorian. Yeah, there you go. See? And of course we have Sam Ziggy Rodriguez here. Hey. Yes, yeah, so, I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> Always. <laughs> he had nowhere else to go. No one else would take him in, but we did. Thank so you. Yeah, we like we have our strays program here. It
0: all started with a saucer <laughs> of milk that he put outside the studio. <laughs> <That's> exactly right. <laughs>
1: and he won't stop coming back. <laughs> So we are um, we are kind of not we're not wrapping up, but we're we're getting along uh, in our decalogue for evangelization. Getting close. So the top sort of ten things for me that have been, I guess, most fruitful in evangelizing, and just uh, these concepts that um, I think that are pretty good ones to engage, uh, at least to to see how to evangelize, maybe even a little better. Some things we should consider. Uh, we'll we'll roll through them here, um, and we have shows on all these, so look them up, but. Uh, Number one, know Jesus and make him known. Uh, Number two, meet people where they are and journey with them to where they're called to be. Uh, Number three, live for the future in the present informed by history. Number four, back to the basics. Number five, make it relevant. Number six, collaborate to accomplish great things. Number seven, teach a man to fish. Number eight, which is the one today we're going to do, is salvation is born of the family. Uh, Number nine, it makes a difference to this one. And number 10, there is a God and I am not him. So these are the top 10 things that I've found that work for me when I evangelize. I I, I think that when I'm engaging, when I'm teaching RCIA, when I'm I'm encountering people just wherever I happen to be, whether it's the grocery store or wherever, um, and they're asking me questions, I'm always kind of milling these 10 things over in my mind. Not all of them all the time, but I think the Holy Spirit kind of goes to work. In that process, and so we're going to talk about number eight in the Decalogue for evangelization. Salvation is born of the family. Yes, sir. So that's a that's our that's a show. We've done a show on that. Mm -hmm. Just the concept of salvation is born of the family, and I think it's important. I think that uh, when we evangelize, we remember the concept of family, um, so that evangelization has to be done in the context of family. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is we, and I think most people would agree, that we mustn't take evangelization and like um, evangelize in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. Right? A va- You know, a vacuum cleaner can't be, doesn't have a soul apparently. No, I'm kidding. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> that was a really bad joke. <laughs> that was bad. You guys are looking at me like, where's he going with this? Yeah. <laughs> we have no idea where he's going. <laughs> anyway, but you can't evangelize in a vac- vacuum, right? Because it's like, you you can you can teach people all kinds of things. You can tell them. You can you can you can quote some scripture verses, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, it's kind of like this zinger is going to get them mm-hmm. right here. If I can if I can just get them to understand this one concept, then they are mine. You know, you sound like the evil scientist. You know, and it's like that's not really what's going on here, um, because we're we're essentially on 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 a journey, and things take time, and we have to realize the Holy Spirit's at work, and really we're just planting seeds, right. So, when we evangelize, we've got to see everything in the context of of family. So, l- let's kind of explore that. Um, and primarily, I want to start with the salvation is born in the family concept, mm-hmm. right? And, and in a nutshell, if you want to go back and listen to that show, you want to pause now, mm-hmm. right? Then go back and listen to that show, you can. But, but if not, I'll just kind of give you a little uh, clue about what we talked about, but essentially... First of all, God revealed Himself as a family of persons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, let us make man in our image, right? With this, this expression of God in the plurality uh, is self-expression. So His revelation to us as a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit um, for all eternity mm-hmm. is essentially a plurality, a family of persons. Mm-hmm. It's not a traditional family, obviously, because we're talking about God, but a family of persons. So then, the attributes of God in being a family of persons would would apply to almost every aspect of our lives because we're essentially meant to be in a family context, right?
0: Well I often tell folks that Christianity is about right relationship. God came Jesus came to put us in right relationship with God and one another. Yeah. And at the very core of what constitutes that right relationship,
1: one word. Family. Yeah, exactly right. And if you look at where the devil is doing all of his Dirty work right now, trying family. to destroy the family. I mean, that's ultimately that's what I think. Uh, I think most people would agree that that's what's going on. Um, so God revealed Himself as a family of persons, but then immediately, you know, in creation, I mean, right up at the, you know, front of the uh, the Bible, you know, in the Book of Genesis, this whole thing about creating man in His image and likeness, right, and. It is not good that man be alone. Right, mm-hmm. right off the bat, we realize that men will never find their way to heaven without a woman. Right, mm-hmm. uh, that was that not just a joke. That's truth. <laughs> that's not a funny that's joke. Not that's not funny. That's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> so don't leave the man alone. You got it. No. It is not good that man is alone. No. And uh, and so we have Eve. Right. So immediately, that, I mean, essentially, that's the first marriage. Mm-hmm. Right. Adam and Eve um, living in the Garden of Eden. You know, and and uh, and so we see the beginning of humanity right be fruitful and multiply in the context of family right right so there's not this self-propagating species in the sense that you know uh, whether it's asexual i don't know what the te- i don't know what all those textual tech uh, technical terms are i just know that it takes a man and a woman mm-hmm. to make a baby and and god designed things that way right so the, the at the very heart of the creative process and procreation is the concept of family, mm-hmm. right? right. Uh, and again, Sam, just like you said, you know, where the world is and where, where we're designed to be and where Satan is also attacking is, is that concept of family. And, of course, you can further that when you go – uh, we fast forward to the New Testament. We see Jesus – um, is born in the context of family. Right. right. have a father and a mother. Remember, Joseph was going to uh, divorce Mary quietly. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, because he was a righteous man, didn't want to bring scandal. And so he's going to divorce her quietly when he found out the child was not his.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But God sent an angel and said, no, 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 no. Stay put. Big Joe, you got to take her uh, as your wife. Well, I, I'm just paraphrasing. Um, Excellent. Yeah, but but... It was important that there be that Jesus was born in the context of a family so that, I think, so that we would have a holy family as a model for holiness, right?
0: There you go. You know, a, a lot of folks in their our separated brothers and sisters get uh, confused about what the holy family looked like, and they think, oh, Jesus, it says he had brothers and sisters, and that must have meant that right. you know, Mary wasn't a perpetual virgin, but... Actually, there's some great wisdom that I think is hidden in the very language of the ancient Jews that also speaks exactly to what you're talking about because what a lot of folks don't realize is the ancient Jews didn't have a word that distinguished between a cousin and a brother and sister. If you right. were if we were blood related and we were cousins, you are brother, you are sister. There's something beautiful in that mm-hmm. that everybody who has that connection is that close connection, yeah
1: you know in fact uh, i 'll tell you someone who re- who ratified that uh, and and knew that as well was Martin Luther. <laughs> actually, I have a wonderful quote from him where he talks about where holy writ actually means cousins here, where it 's talking about his jesus 's brothers and sisters, interesting, yeah, and so he actually says he recognized that, so uh, for our separated brothers and sisters it 's interesting to note that. Right, really the granddaddy of it all, you know. Really <laughs> Mr. Separato himself <laughs> <laughs> understood all that yeah. stuff, you know. <laughs> um and so here so Jesus is born in the context of a family. And if Jesus is our salvation, then that means essentially our salvation is born in the context of family. Right? Yeah. right? So we cannot divorce ourselves from the concept of family in, in our humanity. Therefore, when you're evangelizing, when you're talking to someone, you have got to take into account their familial relationships, the family that they're in, the problems that they've had, the baggage they might be bringing to this, uh, what are you sending them back to? It's always amazing to me. Uh, and every year, I say the same thing when I'm doing an RCIA class at the very beginning. and say, hey, you're going to find a lot of love here. In this room, you're, you're gonna be, it's going to be filled with support and love and people encouraging you. But when you, when you walk out of here and go back to your family... So when you sit down with your family at Christmas dinner or Thanksgiving dinner, it could get rough. It could get a little rough, mm-hmm. right? And and so we, you have to realize that when you evangelize someone and you essentially convince them, you know that that uh, of some truth, and they're like, you know what, I'm in. The reality is they're going to go somewhere where there's not necessarily going to be that support, mm-hmm. and so we have to take into account what is what is their family situation, right? Right, because there's so much, I mean, we mentioned Satan attacking families, but there really is so much, um, there's so much uh, challenge to living in a family Mm -hmm. in this day and age, and we have to take that into account. You know, one distinction that comes to mind as I'm listening to
0: you is we have in this world right now with so much division, uh, both socio-political, economic division. There's a lot of tribalism right now, and tribalism is us versus the world. It's us versus them, whereas um, family, it's, it's not about being against others. It's more it's, there's a recognition that we are for one another. And we're trying to build one another up, and the Christian view invites us to have that to to begin with the, our our actual blood family to grow in that capacity and mm-hmm. then look outward and say they too. Are one of us, and we too are for them, right? Yeah,
1: and you don't have to go far in the catechism to find out why. Uh, what the, the church teaches about family, and it's the, essentially the that 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 beginning cell. I mean, it's meant to be the, in the domestic. This domestic church. I mean, the the, the thing is. Real church is is your family, and that's why we need to take into account that person's situation. What kind of history do they have? What kind of baggage are they bringing? what, are, what is their view of of mother and father? Did they have an abusive relationship? Was there no father or no mother in the picture? Right? And you, and you suddenly realize that that's going to affect what their understanding of God is, yeah. and certainly it's going to uh, it's going to affect their their ability to to receive the gospel message, the charisma. Mm-hmm. Right. Again, you can't evangelize in a vacuum because if you do one a, a message given to one person is not going to be the same. Uh, there's not going to be the same reaction to another person. It'd be a wholly different reaction. And you think like, well, that worked when I talked to Ralph, but man, Bob just totally rejected that. What is maybe I have to change them? It's like, yeah, you've got to adapt it to that person, or you at least you have to take into context what is what is Bob or what is Ralph or what is what are they bringing to to this meeting or to this encounter. Mm-hmm. Right? Because their vision and understanding of God may be wholly different. Right. Just simply because of their experience in their family. Sure. Yeah. So and we can go into more detail about that, but first we have to take a break.
0: All right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah you're excited about the break? I know. <laughs> Very Well good. you so said much. you refill that saucer of milk uh, for me. Yeah, the more so the more your family members. Yes, my wife. There you go. She's a member of my family. Uh, immediate family and so uh, yes Bess is going to talk to us here uh, about Joachim and Ann actually has a little thing to share with us about that Um, and um, uh, before we take that break though I do want to remind folks at home we've got a great website thecatholiccafe.com also I'd love to hear from you send me an email deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com and like us on
0: Facebook on Instagram and Twitter like and share our posts and comment on them it makes a difference All
1: right, we'll see you when we get right back
2: I'm Bess Drasimski, and this is another great moment in church history. <music> Tradition tells us that the parents of Mary, the mother of God, were named Joachim and Anne. Not much is known of the details of their lives, but they have become the focus of great admiration and veneration. This is most assuredly due to the fact that their daughter Mary was the humble virgin chosen by God to bring Jesus into the world and an example for all Christians. One story tells us that after they were married, Saint Joachim and Anne greatly desired to have a family. They tried, however, for many years to conceive. It was thought that Saint Anne was barren. Things looked hopeless. They did not lose their faith, however, they prayed continually to God for the blessing of a child. One night, an angel appeared and said that God had indeed heard them and they would receive the child for which they so fervently prayed. On that very night, in thankfulness, Saint Anne promised to dedicate her child to God. Not long after that, Mary was born. Many have wondered how the church can honor as saints those whom we know little about. In the case of Saints Joachim and Anne, we need only look at their important role as the parents of Mary, the young girl who would freely offer herself in service to God, and all mankind. Regardless of the details of their lives, we know that as parents in a good Jewish family, they would be responsible for Mary's upbringing, They were Mary's teachers, they fed her, nurtured her, encouraged her, and supported her even in the moment of accepting God's call to be the mother of God. It was their dedication to living a holy life that God used to serve as an example for Mary. In fact, what she learned from her parents, she most naturally would use in bringing up the child Jesus. And it was her parents' faith that laid the foundation for Mary's consolation and acceptance of God's will at the foot of her son's cross. Saints Joachim and Anne serve as an example for all married couples in bringing up their children to willingly accept the vocations to which they are called in service to God. As early as the 4th century, a church was built by St. Helena, mother of Constantine, on the site where the sainted couple lived in Jerusalem. Saints Joachim and Anne are often depicted in artwork holding Mary and teaching her to read from the sacred scriptures. Their feast day is celebrated by the Universal Church on July 26th. I'm Best Trzymski and this is another great moment in church history.
0: Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff.
1: And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, and I'm sitting here with Tom Dorian and, yes, and, uh, what's your name again? Uh, Sam y- Ziggy Rodriguez. Yes, that's a nice radio voice you got there. Oh, and thank you. And I hope you don't use it again. <laughs> 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 and uh, we're talking that's about creepy. family. We're talking about uh, evangelizing in the context of family. Um, because salvation is born of the family. So this is our Decalogue for evangelization. Uh, The the top ten things uh, that I've got chiseled into some stone tablets I carry with me everywhere I go. It's pretty heavy. So really it's kind of weighed down my evangelizing ability. But, you know, if people come to me, it's fine. Uh, But anyway, um, so we're talking about the context of family and how you, you stay in that context of family, and it's important to understand. And we spent a little bit of time talking about the evangelized person's family knowing their history, or at least being aware of the fact that they come from a family, mm-hmm. and it may very well be broken, yeah. which may very well affect what you say, how you say it. Right. But then also, I think we also need to take into account our own family. As the evangelizer, I mean, what are we modeling? Mm-hmm. What are we what are we showing to people? Um, are we inviting people either into our homes or into the context of our family, right? And so it, it's kind of an interesting concept because, again— it's like we all see our homes maybe as like this sort of starting point where we're, that's our home base, as it were, right? And then we go out and evangelize, but we don't really ever bring people back to like model our family. And maybe it's not really a good family To model, right? right? Wouldn't wouldn't
0: that be a problem if you're out there like giving speeches and you're winning hearts? But if everybody knew how rough your family life when you got home was, that would they really want to hear what you had to say?
1: Exactly. Unless maybe when you're out evangelizing, you're actually telling the honest truth. Now I'm not saying reveal necessarily that your you know dad's an alcoholic or something. You don't want to necessarily go, but you could talk about certain things with their, your family's permission, or maybe they've passed on, and you talk about how things affected you. That's a very powerful kind of witness mm-hmm. because there's a lot of brokenness in the world. But you shouldn't be turning a blind eye to those problems. That's the I, last I, thing. I, exactly right. I wholeheartedly agree because there's, I mean, the, the scriptures even tell us, warn us about, uh, you know, that that, that you know the preacher and, and not taking care of what's going on in his own home. Mm-hmm. Right. And that can be, that can be a problem certainly. And so when you're out in the street saying, Hey, you know, what will solve that problem. No, solve that problem. I'll tell you what'll solve that problem. But here's, here's some scripture here and here's the whatever. And you check yourself. Yeah, exactly. They're saying like, dude, you, you know, you're, you got three kids and whatever, and this is happening and that's happened. And that's why I'm always cautious about how I present what I know to be the truth. Mm-hmm, yeah. and in uh, the context with in which I presented and it and that's why I was like it's like in the context of family so
0: I know a priest who said
1: i'm I keep getting these offers from talks
0: from my parishioners and uh, they want to explain to me how to run my my church um, but um i have I'm getting so many offers from these people that I'm starting to you know vet them and I'm going to ask them like well let me uh, are are your kids going to church? Are you are you married? Uh, right. Like, are you still
1: married? Is it your debt? only
0: marriage? Like, if, like he's, he said, are you how in debt is your ho- is your own house? Right. You know, for I, example, I, I would
1: imagine that's probably not wouldn't go over well. <laughs> yeah, he
0: said. He said, well, none of the pe- none of the people who have good answers to those questions are offering me talks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well,
1: again, I, I just think that we need to take into account in in a um, in a profound way. The, the the family context that we we live in uh, and what we're preaching and what we're what we're trying to do and maybe even in our own brokenness and understanding that as we present our, uh, the gospel the charisma to to other folks and then also taking context where they are what they where they what they've come from why they might think the way they do those are v- really valid uh, touch points things that we really mm-hmm. need to focus on. But, but then also there's a third element here in terms of family and that is the family the family of the church right we 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 want to evangelize it's not like hey uh if you if you know this little um secret gospel message bible code whatever if you if you uh, accept jesus as your personal lord and savior i'm not ever a big fan of that particular phrase jesus loves each of us personally i get that but my personal lord and savior sort of seems indicative of, of like it's all like, about you. Well, or that it's it's different than yours. <laughs> you know, Sam's personal Lord and Savior may not be mine. And and that can be problematic. And and we are we are we we are meant to be in community. We're born into community, we're meant to be in community, and we evangelize in community and in in the context of family. And so rather than say personal lord and savior, it's like our Lord and Savior. Mm. And and evangelize that way. But you're inviting a person. Let's say you, have, you meet someone and they've got a particularly broken family. They don't have a good witness of, of who a, what a good father is. Mm-hmm. Because that's the primary way, by the way, in the context of family in which God helps us understand who God the Father is
2: mm-hmm.
1: by our own earthly fathers, our biological earthly fathers, or our adoptive fathers if we uh, do come from a broken home of some sort, or if you know exactly are we adopted. Th- these are wonderful things, but that... that human caretaker uh, is essentially your 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 sort of conduit to god the father it's it's uh, the imaging the the incarnational reality of god the father it's kind of cool to think of it that way and so when we evangelize that way that's why it's important for us to understand uh or, or help someone lead them in and say like look, look you don't have to be alone anymore
2: mm-hmm.
1: you you w- when you you join this family. I mean, it's like all of a sudden you have all these uh the the sort of you've, the, what's called the adoptive spirit of the, the holy spirit you know the, that that idea of all of a sudden you now are in a huge family
0: uh-huh. right and how
1: powerful that is
0: that's one of the reasons I love it when they do baptisms in mass in the Sunday mass. Uh, I think it's you know I like to think of it as look this little baby is being welcomed into our parish the family. family. Exactly yeah. right.
1: Exactly right. And and what you start to realize and you start to see the language in the baptism right you know where God becomes your adoptive father. Mm. Right? And Jesus becomes your adoptive brother. And you, and you and that's how God the Father and Jesus the Son were revealed to us in in that in the context of family. So we need to evangelize these people into family, mm-hmm. right, because really there's only one holy family um, uh, that we, can, we should be modeling uh, or at least paying attention to in mm-hmm. terms of modeling. And that's, that's why uh, it's, Im, it's important, I think, to, to, I don't know, to follow that, to open ourselves up to the concept of family when we evangelize. And, and I did want to bring up one other point that it's, I, this is sort of anecdotal. I, I'm sure it happens in a lot of RCIA programs and or in in, in any, any kind of evangelization that I think most people engage in. I have had the situation so often that um, where a person gets in, they 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 get the bug. They just are drawn to the Catholic Church. They they come there. They come to the RCIA. They just they they soak it up. They love it. And then, but they they come from you know a Church of Christ family, a Presbyterian family, a Baptist family, some kind of fundamentalist, or even you know a lukewarm family and what ends up happening is that one person goes back to that family, oh. and on several occasions i 've had a son or daughter come into the church, and then the following year or two years later, the mother or the father or both come into the church, sort of following, going like. Hey, uh, you uh, brought my son or daughter into the church. Uh, I'd like some of that.
0: Wow, because they see the
1: fruits, right? And so it's a it's a so then you start to realize that sometimes to evangelize the entire family, you start with one, right? And you don't have to think like, can I get the whole family lined up? I don't want to give this talk more than once. Can I just give it the one time? Everyone's in a different context. Everyone's not going to receive the same way. So you evangelize, I think, individually. Or at least think in terms of the Holy Spirit working individually on a person, but in the context of a family, realizing that the Holy Spirit is going to make this go in all kinds of different directions. Great point. And, and and that to me is like really the big—I don't know—most powerful, but but a powerful um, witness to the awesomeness of God. To realize that the Holy Spirit cannot be contained, Mm-mm. right? And and the idea that you've got um, you know a person who God loves, who needs to know that is, is wonderful. But even more wonderful is like they can become a part of the church family. They can become part of your family. You can become part of their family. And certainly now we suddenly see this idea of God, the father of all. Right. And let's not forget Mary. Amen. Right. Mary, the mother of us all, the mother of the church. And, and now that we have a feast day to celebrate that and the the realization that, um, that God has given us this concept of family not just because he wants us to be restrained and like, well, let me let me put you in places where I can keep up with you, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? But really, essentially, the most fruitful way in which we can exist, uh, the best way to grow, the best way to learn. And essentially, uh, you know, our first church, the domestic church, the small church, the home church, that's why it's so important that when we evangelize – in the context of family we see the power of god at work in the context of a family and that's when things are most fruitful amen go holy spirit right and let's ask our mother you know mom to help us in this endeavor hail mary full of grace the lord is with thee blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb jesus holy Holy mary Mary, mother of of god God, pray pray for for us sinners sinners, now at at the hour of our our death death. Amen. amen